Go with me to a couple of openings, if you would please. Ephesians chapter 4 and James chapter 4. Ephesians 4 and James 4. If you haven't been with us this week, we've already covered quite a bit of ground. The Lord's helped us tremendously. We've been talking about stopping the thief. Stopping the thief. And um, the previous messages, Monday, Tuesday, and, and Wednesday are available. You, it won't cost you anything. You can get them. And it would help you to get that foundation to attach to what we're doing tonight. But there are, I know by the Spirit, significant answers here tonight. Significant answers. Your flesh may not like some of the answers. <laughs> but the answer is the answer. And uh, submission to God and His Word is that you acknowledge and accept that He's right about everything all the time. And at any point you disagree with Him, or you thought a different way, He's right. And you're wrong. And it's time to change. Huh? <laughs> but there are, I believe I'm speaking by the Spirit now, there are big answers to things that have troubled people's hearts, that have caused people to lay in the bed and cry. I'm talking about over years. Wondering why this or why that. Anybody ready for a big answer? Huh? Stay hooked with me. You know utterance is greatly affected by the hearer. We just prayed and we're all expecting the answer to that prayer. Ephesians 4 and 26 says, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Said out loud, don't. Give any place to the devil. Understood subject here is you. You are not to give, you're not to allow the devil any place to work and, and do. Now, in many churches today, you can listen to messages for months and never hear the word devil. And I have heard people in recent times, this is not a new development, but I think it's a development among people who should know better. There, there's some people who should know some things about faith and their authority in Christ who've let it slip to their own detriment. And you hear people talking about things that happened and they wonder why. And it is popular all over the world to begin talking like this, well... God must have had some purpose. God must have had some reason. And maybe even if he didn't do it, you know, he allowed it for some reason. But there's a thief around. Everything is not the work of God. Everything is not the will of God. There is a thief who's coming and far too successful. In stealing and killing and destroying, even among God's people, 
God's not the thief. Jesus is not the thief. Don't forget about the thief. We're instructed. This is New Testament Christians. Church of Ephesus is instructed. These are born again, tongue-talking people, just like us. And he tells them, don't give the devil any place. Which means you can, which means you shouldn't, which means you don't have to. Give no place to the devil. And the next verse says, let him that stole steal no more. And that applies to to people, but it also applies to the enemy. We need to stop the stealer from stealing. And if you stop giving him place, he can't continue to steal. And we read in 1 John earlier in the week, in 1 John 5, that uh, if you'll keep yourself, that wicked one touches you not. Don't you like the idea? Can't touch me. Can't touch me. (laughs) Is it possible to not give any place to the enemy? To shut him down to the point he can't touch you? Do you like the sound of that? I really like the sound of that. That he can't touch me. Can't touch us. In uh, James, the fourth chapter, and the seventh verse, James 4, 7 Again, the understood subject is you. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We read from uh, Brother Hagin's book, I Believe in Visions, and uh, talked about the revelation that came to him and how the Lord Jesus gave him four different scriptures in the New Testament. Four different witnesses proving that um, what Jesus said, that whatever we allow will be allowed, whatever we bind will be bound. He said, the Lord said, I've delegated my authority in the earth to the church. And if the church doesn't do something about the devil, nothing will be done. And that nowhere in the New Testament are believers told to pray against the devil or ask God to make the devil stop. We've been given authority. Notice what it said. It said, submit yourself to God. That's you. Resist the devil. That's you. And he'll flee from you. That's you. Right? Who's going to submit you to God? I can't submit you to God. God's not going to force you to submit either. You have to submit yourself. Who's going to resist the devil? I can't resist the devil for you. You can't resist the devil for me. But God's not going to resist the devil for us either. This is a revelation most of the church does not have. They keep begging and praying to God. God, you make it stop. Make it stop. You resist the devil. Come on, somebody say, resist the devil. Resist. Resist the devil. Who's going to resist the devil? I'm going to resist the devil. And he'll flee from you. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, we talked about some reasons why, or I should say how, the devil gets place. How he gets access. And one of the simplest ways to say it 
How does the devil get access? Sin. Sin allows him in. Yielding to sin gives place to the devil. It lets him in. And a lot of folks don't like that. They don't like the sound of that. And they immediately start thinking about the Ten Commandments and hollering about we're not under the law. But scriptures like James that says to him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it's sin. In the New Testament, it's not a matter of keeping the Ten Commandments. It's a matter of being led by the Spirit. It's a matter of walking in faith. It's a matter of walking in love. And if you'll do this, nobody will have to tell you keep the Ten Commandments. you got the author of the book inside you. He's leading you that way. But you don't have to follow the leadings of the Spirit. And you don't have to walk in the light that you know and have. And if you violate light, if you don't do what you know to do, not God, your own heart will condemn you. That's not God condemning you. Your own heart will condemn you. And if you're in condemnation, then the enemy will have access. You won't have confidence toward God. So we must, yes, we must believe that the Lord has paid for our sins and we must receive that forgiveness and that righteousness and cleansing. We also must walk in the light that we have and do what we know to do. Not walk after the flesh, like Romans says, but after the Spirit. And then there will be no condemnation. If you do make a mistake, repent immediately, receive your forgiveness, And stay in the righteousness. Amen. Stay out of condemnation. But this is why the enemy nonstop is tempting. What does the devil care if we sin or not? What's it to him? You know, we saw both with Adam and Eve and Jesus, it happened the exact same way. Three primary areas that the enemy tries to hit. 1 John 2 talks about it. The desire of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, and the pride of life, or one translation says the ostentatiousness or showiness of life. You don't want to be a show off. (laughs) And uh, we see, why is the devil, why would he push so hard? I mean, he, 40 days and nights, he did everything in his power to tempt the Lord Jesus. Why? Because yielding to temptation is sin. And sin lets him in. Oh, come on, can you see? It's all about access. He doesn't care about you other than not liking you and hating you. Or just could care less if you existed. I mean, he's got no love in him and no truth in him. What he does care about is having all the control and all the power and all the money and killing and stealing and destroying everything he wants to. But he can't just wade through and take us all out. Aren't you thankful for that? He has to try to find access. And in 1 Peter, you know, it talks about that. 1 Peter 5, is it? And 7. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober. Be vigilant. Is this for New Testament Christians? Just if you... Should you just get up in in the day, in the morning, and act like you're in a cartoon? (laughs) Or pretend that you're in a world where there is no devil? I don't like to think about it. That's exactly what he wants you to do. Don't think about it. 
Pretend there is no devil. The Bible tells us, be awake. Be on the watch. Be on your guard. Not full of fear, but have some sense. Realize somebody's trying to hurt me today. Somebody's trying to get to me. I don't have to let him. I'm told not to give him any place, which means I don't have to give him any place. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. That means there's some he may, and there's some he may not, and we have decided we are the may nots. (laughs) Somebody say, I'm a may not. I'm, I'm a may not. He may not devour me. But it it won't be just because you said that you'll have to do what the scripture says to prevent that from happening. Seeking whom he may devour. What do you do? Again, same thing we read in James verse 9. What do you do? You do what? You resist. You resist. You know, there's a, from the time children are little, they learn the word no. And they like to say it. Uh, when they find out about it, and sometimes they say it at the wrong time, you know, go to bed. No. <laughs> Eat your vegetables. No. <laughs> no. No. What is that? Well, there's something in your nature that likes to say no to some stuff. And part of that's okay. Just don't say no to God. Say no to the enemy. No is resisting. Come on, can you see this? And you don't have to know what the devil's going to say next. And he starts a sentence. You say, no. No. I mean, go ahead and yield to that resistance that wants to come out of you. Don't do it with God. Do it with the enemy. No. No. Why don't you do this? Why don't you lie? Why don't you? No. 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 No, I'm not stupid. No. No. (laughs) <laughs> not going to give any place to you, not going to yield to you, in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? amen. Now look with me in uh, Ephesians, the second chapter. Thank you, Lord, for helping me with this. Thank you, Lord. Ephesians 2, verse 1, says, You hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. This is talking about the devil. He's also called the prince of this world. He's also called the prince of darkness. Second Corinthians says he's the God of this world. First John, we saw the whole world, chapter 5, the whole world lies under the control of the evil one. This completely disagrees with God is in control of the earth, which is what most church-going people believe instead of the Bible, which shows how subtle these things are. The Spirit... The prince of the power of the air, the God of this world, that spirit works in the children of disobedience. He himself, he has no life 
in him. He has no love in him. He has no truth in him. He can't bless you or anybody else. He seeks to reproduce himself in human beings. Whatever spirit or spirits you yield to, you take on those characteristics. You take on those qualities. If you yield to the enemy, one characteristic you'll take on is rebellion. A refusal to submit. A defiance and a willingness and insistence to disobey. And this is the spirit of the enemy. This is the spirit of the devil himself. Do you remember we read in James? What did it say? Uh, Submit yourself to God. Come on, can you see that? Then it said, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Why? Because if you're resisting God and not yielding to God, you're not in a position to force the enemy to submit to you. He knows if you're yielding to him, you're yielding to him. He doesn't have to yield to you. And this again is very subtle because the whole world is full of defiance and rebellion and disobedience. And if you act rebellious, you won't even stand out. People won't even notice it if you act defiant and rebellious. But the big problem with this is you're giving place to the devil. If you refuse to submit to God, you're yielding to the enemy, the one who originally rebelled against God and originally defied God and originally disobeyed God. You want no part of the spirit of disobedience. You want no part of being defiant and rebellious. we, We need to identify what this looks like, sounds like, feels like, and the first tinges of it we notice about ourselves, we repent. We start repenting immediately. And so I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be defiant. I'm not going to be rebellious. I will submit. Now, I didn't make up this word. I'm quoting James. But you do know submit is pretty much a rejected word by our generation and society. Submit, submit. People think it demeans them. They think, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm free, I'm independent, I don't have to submit to anybody. And here's the thing if you never submit to any people, neither do you submit to God. You can imagine that you do, but like all things, how many remember First John talked about if you say you love God, but you hate your brother, you're a liar. Why? Love for God is shown in love for his people. And I don't care. You, you, can, you can imagine how much you love God, but if you're mean to everybody and don't care about anybody, you're kidding yourself. You don't love God. Your love for God is directly measurable. And detectable and seeable by your love for people. Well, the same thing is true with submission. (laughs) If you never submit to anybody, 
then you're kidding yourself that you're submissive to God. Just kidding yourself. What's the problem with this? The devil has place to get to you. This is serious. Yielding to rebellion, yielding to defiance, yielding to disobedience. Everybody hollers about, you know, if you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. But the very next verse talks about if you're disobedient and defiant, you'll be consumed. Right? Say it out loud. Willing and obedient. Will you automatically eat the good of the land? I heard a yes. That's incorrect. If, there's an if. If. (laughs) Now I already warned you, your flesh might not like some of the answers. But do you want to know the truth or not? What will the truth do for you? Come on, help me out. It will make you free. How many want the door shut where the devil cannot get in and cannot touch you? You must understand, he is the original, rebellious, defiant, disobedient one. And he's always trying to tempt you and me to yield to that defiance and that rebellion and disobedience because he knows if we will, gives him access. He can still kill and destroy. And sadly, sadly, people's places have been stolen from them. Their ministries have been stolen from them. Fellowship with the people they want to fellowship with. Relationships have been damaged. What did I just describe? Stealing. The devil stole things. And there are people who are mad at God because I thought that was I thought that was supposed to be my place. I thought I was supposed to be able to do that. And and it very well could have been that you were. But you can forfeit it. You can mess it up. You can give place to the enemy and allow him to steal. And kill and destroy. We've all made some mistakes. But let's change. Let's shut him down. Come on. Let's shut him down tonight. Tonight. We're not ignorant of his devices. His wiles. His schemes. You know. People talk about the armor of God in Ephesians 6. And what's it for? To stand against the wiles of the devil. His trickery. He's very, very cunning, very crafty. And you don't have to analyze everything mentally. The scripture said, try the spirits, whether they're of God. We're not even qualified mentally to try all the doctrines. I know people think they are. But Paul said, I know in part. If he knows in part. Most people know part of the part of the part. Is that right? And it's all the parts you don't know that's the problem. Which leaves you unable to discern. The enemy is so crafty too. He quotes scriptures. He quotes scriptures. And there are people think, well, I got scriptures for it. But they're deceived. Don't depend on your understanding. Use it, 
But don't rely on it and depend on it to make your decisions of what's God and what's not God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and try the spirits. The enemy can't help himself. He's very crafty. He's very slick. He's a talker, old man. And he can quote scriptures, but he can't hide his nature. He can't. And no matter how hard he tries, you'll see rebellion come out. Disrespect. He, he, he tries to not let it get out, but it'll get out. And even if you don't know the details, when you detect that, you go, oh, oh that's the wrong spirit. I don't care how many scriptures they're quoting. Disrespect. That's wrong. Wrong spirit. Try the spirits. Go with me to the book of Proverbs, please. The 28th chapter. Oh, thank you, Father. We're making progress. Hallelujah. Making progress. The spirit of disobedience prevails over the world, the whole earth. Defiance, rebellion, disrespect, absolute refusal to submit. You'll find it everywhere you turn. People even defend their right not to submit. And uh, it affects this area too, Proverbs 28.20. Proverbs 28.20 says, A faithful man shall abound with blessings. Why are you reading this scripture, Brother Keith? Because you cannot be faithful without submission. That was worth you combing your hair and coming to church for, right? I'll prove it to you from scriptures in a number of ways before we get through. But there's no such thing as a faithful man or woman who does not submit. There's no such thing as a person of faith who does not submit. What do you mean? Faith is trusting God. <laughs> Trust requires submission. Looks like I'm going to have to work on this a little more tonight. And it's not because these things are hard to understand. It's because the devil tries so hard to keep people from seeing it. Because as long as he can keep you blind about this, he keeps getting in. He keeps having access. And you don't know why. I, I, I'm so stirred up about some of this. I'm, I'm having to hold myself back to, to jump to some of the, the answers. I, there are answers here tonight. There are answers. Big answers here tonight. A faithful man or woman will abound with blessings. How many believe that verse? What kind of man? Woman? A saved man. <laughs> A saved man will abound with blessings. No. And you shouldn't hesitate when I say no. Look around. Look around at everybody that says they're saved. And how blessed are they? How much are they experiencing? Thank you, Lord. I've said a couple of things relative to grace this week. And it'll bear saying some other things. 
there's a distortion of grace. I call it grace only. And it's kind of like a um, utopian spiritual socialism. (laughs) What do you mean, Brother Keith? Whatever spirits in the world tries to get in the church. Same spirit. Exact same spirit, but the devil transforms himself into an angel of light. So he's preaching the same stuff to the church that he is to the world, but he just puts some scriptures around it and comes like it's God. What do you mean? A utopian socialism where everybody gets everything for free and nobody has to work. Yay! Everybody gets everything for free and no one has to do anything for it. (laughs) I'm reminded of uh, years ago, Phyllis likes to watch animated Disney shows sometimes. And sometimes I I wind up watching them too. (laughs) And we watched, what was it, Fivel? Years ago. Fivel, the mouse that came from uh, Europe or wherever it was. And they sang a song. There are no cats in America. (laughs) And the streets are paved with cheese. And they were so excited because, you know, they were coming from Russia and Spain and Italy and other places, and they had cats over there, and it was dangerous, and they didn't have enough to eat. But they're coming to America, and there were no cats in America, and the streets are paved with cheese. But guess what they found out when they got to America? There's a thief. No matter where you go, there is the thief. And grace, as wonderful as it is, grace is what God does. To say grace does this is to say God does this. God slash grace will not receive for you. Are you listening, friends? Grace, God will not resist the devil for you. And while it is true that our new birth, our healing, our being filled with the Spirit, our authority in Christ, thing after thing after thing has been bought, it has been paid for, you can't earn it, you can't deserve it, that's not all there is to it. Once you're saved, There are numerous things that will be given to you according to your faithfulness. Your faithfulness. Now don't misunderstand me. You got all different kinds of grace teaching and all different kinds of faith teaching. So you got to watch about just lumping anything together. I'm not opposed to the message of God's wonderful grace. And there are some off-the-wall teachings about faith. But we don't just need only grace or only faith. 
We're saved by grace through faith. You got to have both. You can't drop one. You got to have both. And I saw this. I met a young man who was from the other side of the world. I'd never seen him before until that opportunity I had to talk to him. And he said he wanted to tell me how God had used our ministry for miracles to happen in his life. And he told me about how for years, many years, he had lived in a very ungodly, sinful lifestyle. I mean, he was in it up to his eyes, and it was really, really bad and ungodly. And even though he had heard some things about the Lord, I guess, as a boy and as a kid, he got completely away from God. He wasn't going to church and uh, had, you know, concluded when he did think about it that God was disgusted with him or mad at him or didn't love him, didn't want to be around him. Didn't. And he heard some folks emphasizing the amazing grace of God. And hearing the message that God would love you no matter what you did. And God would receive you no matter what you had done. Got a hold of him and he gave his heart back to the Lord. And he came and started going back to church. Though he was still in the ungodly lifestyle. He came back to God. And so he said after some months of this, he's back to God. He knows God loves him because of grace. But he didn't think he could ever be free. He thought he, you know, this was his life. He he had tried different things and he thought I'll never be free. And he got a hold of our, our series on In Your Power. Talking about, in your control, thank you. Talking about authority in the name of Jesus. And talking about faith. And through these things, through faith, he found out, I don't have to live like this. I can be free. Hallelujah. And in a matter of time, he got completely, totally free. Oh, glory to God. Of things that people told him he could never be free from. So, which one of those messages was bad? The grace or the faith? Come on, can you see this? We need both of them. But not to the exclusion of the other. You got to watch about taking any truth and trying to make it the only truth. The Bible talks about rightly dividing the word of truth. What kind of man or woman is going to abound with blessings? What kind? What kind? You want to abound with blessings? We had a great offering last night. A lot of people sowed big seeds. A lot, of, a lot of you have sown a lot of seed over the years. Did you know God is looking for people that will be handlers of finances for the kingdom? Way out beyond your personal. Did you know that? Did you know you have to qualify Being saved doesn't qualify you to handle large resources for the kingdom. You know what does? Faithfulness. 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 Are most people faithful? Let's let the scripture answer. Go to to Psalm 12. 
Psalm 12, verse 1. Psalm 12, 1 says, help, Lord. (laughs) This is an inspired of the Spirit. Help, Lord. Why? The godly man ceases, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. The Amplified says, faithfulness and the faithful vanish from among the sons of men. The truth is, faithfulness is rare. I told you there'd be answers tonight. Your flesh might not like some of them. Faithfulness is not common. Faithfulness is rare. Look at Proverbs 20, verse 6. But that would answer questions, wouldn't it? Why not everyone is handling large resources for the kingdom of God? It's because not everybody's faithful. In fact, most people are not. Look at this. Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness. But (laughs) a faithful man who can find. The Good News translation says it like this. Everyone talks about how loyal and faithful he is. But just try to find someone who really is. Now, the thing about this affects right here, right now. It affects the enemy having access or not having access. It affects what I get to be a part of, what I get to do, what I get to handle. This doesn't just apply to money. Money is the small part of this. Favor, grace, revelation, opportunity, kingdom involvements. All of this is attached to faithfulness. Faithfulness. But not only this, faithfulness here and now in this life is determining what happens to us next in the world to come. Now like I said, some have distorted grace into a utopian socialism and their idea of the world to come in heaven are cookie cutter McMansions white with some columns in the front and everybody's is the same everybody will have exactly the same reward because God is so good and fair that wouldn't be fair I said that would not be fair. People who were completely faithful their whole life compared to people who never obeyed God. How's that fair? You're saved by grace. But that doesn't mean you'll have the same reward. Nor does it mean you'll have the same place. In the kingdom of God. The Bible says that in the resurrection and the world to come, we will be the glorified ones and we will differ in glory like the stars differ. Well, some stars are a lot brighter than others. 
You remember the, the story Jesus gave of the talents? Remember that? Did he divide everything equally across the board with him? No. He said to one, you've been faithful over a little. Now you're to be ruler over ten cities. I'm quoting Jesus. Another one, he said, you've been faithful over a little. You're going to be ruler over five cities. Not the same. Not the same. Based on what? I'm not saying it's the only factor, but it's a big one. Faithfulness. And so some years ago I saw this, that faithfulness is rare. And so I'm seeking to learn, well, what is it? And exact, I need to learn more about it. But understanding that most people you see in Christian circles consider themselves you know, pretty faithful. When's the last time you were talking to somebody and talked to them about doing something and they said, ah, you don't want me. I'm unfaithful. No. No. Have you ever heard any child of God tell you, nah, boy, I've really been unfaithful. I'm just an unfaithful Christian. So most people think they are. Are are assuming, presuming that they are, and yet the Bible says, a faithful man, who can find? Faithful man, faithful women are rare. They're around, but you don't find them on every corner. Selah. (laughs) But here is another problem. Unfaithful people want to be treated like they're faithful. And even insist on it. And expect to abound in blessings. Like faithful people. Praise God. Glad I made some notes. (laughs) Let me give you three big qualities of faithfulness. What makes a faithful person faithful? I didn't say the only three, three big ones. Proverbs 14.5. Proverbs 14.5 says, a faithful witness, what? Will not lie. Lying is one of the most devilish things you can do. Satan is the father of lies. And it'd be hard to find a person in the room that had never told a lie. But it's one of the devilish, most devilish, most ungodly things you can do. And if you're yielding to him, lying, he has place. Many times, children of God have been under pressure and duress and temptation, and in a critical moment, a very important moment, they chose to tell a lie, and when the moment they did, a spirit got in. 
not into their spirit, but to harass them, either in their mind or their body. It can be very dangerous to lie. And especially to hold on to that lie and to cover it year after year after year is why some problems they're not able to shake year after year after year. I know this is sobering, but the truth will make you free. Some things don't bless you when you hear them, but it can give you the answer. Right? And then you can repent and shut the door and get free. Once and for all, get free from things that had hurt you for years. You got to make up your mind. God hates lying. I didn't say he hated liars. He hates lying. He hates deception. And you got you and I need to make that same commitment. I hate it. You can't be just kind of so so. You got to be strong about it. If God hates it, you should hate it. Why? And he hates it because it does so much damage. It allows so much access to the destroyer. Come on, say it out loud. I hate lying. I refuse to lie. The psalmist said, I, you know, the godly man swears to his own hurt and changes not. You, I don't care what it costs you. You tell the truth. Come on, are you with me or not? If you think you can't afford to tell the truth, you have no idea what the lie is going to cost you. I don't think I've ever said that before. But make up your mind. All of us have made mistakes. It starts young. I mean, little kids, you hear the cookie jar rattle. They can barely walk. You go in there. They got uh, cookie crumbs on the counter, chocolate on their face. The cookie jar lid is sitting sideways. You been in the cookies? No. (laughs) Now we laugh, but it ain't funny. It ain't funny. You wait another 10, 15 years. I mean, not, not 15, another 10 years. Did you take money out of my purse? No. It ain't funny. It is one of the most devilish things you could possibly do in life is tell a lie. We've all made mistakes, but let's commit. Come on, somebody say it out loud. My, my lying days are over. I will tell the truth. By the grace of God, no matter what it costs, because lying is going to cost more. No matter, no matter how much it costs, lying is going to cost more. And if I'm telling the truth, being sincere and right heart, the Lord can help me. Can you see this? He can help me, whatever it takes. Thank God. You got two choices. Say nothing or tell the truth. <laughs> You hear people say, well, don't make me tell you a lie. (laughs) It's not supposed to be an option. (laughs) It's not supposed to be an option for the child of God. So telling lies in any degree is unfaithfulness. Can you see this? Secondly, Proverbs 11, 13. A talebearer reveals... Secrets. He that's of a faithful spirit does what? Conceals the matter. A faithful man or woman, you can trust 
to be confidential. They will not disclose that which is private and that which is not for everybody's ears and knowledge. And they discern between what is and what's not. Now you know as well as I do, most people talk too much. Most people talk way too much. And think it's okay. I was in a private meeting one time with some other ministers. Some very serious things were going on. And the head of the meeting, when we started, he said, and he closed the doors. He said, now, now men and women, he said, uh, this stays here. Not everybody's here, because I didn't want everybody here. This is between us. These things we're discussing right now, we hadn't made decisions. Things are in progress. It doesn't leave the room. Everybody understand? We all said, yeah, yes, sir, yes, sir. That afternoon, somebody called me from the West Coast and asked me about it. You know, yeah, I heard y'all had a meeting and heard this was said and heard it was, huh? Now, how did that happen? They thought, well, I know they said don't tell, but I can tell so-and-so they won't tell. Is that right? And then they had somebody that won't tell. And then they told two people that won't tell. Well, what's the big deal? Well, the big deal is Satan having access to your hide. How about that? And the big deal is not qualifying to handle abundance of resources. It's a big deal. Come on, are you with me or not? It is a big, big deal. If you want to qualify to abound in blessings, my heart is full. I sense the Father. People gave last night. God wants to multiply those seed 30, 60, 100 fold. He wants to flow hundreds of thousands of dollars through your hand. He wants to flow millions of dollars. He wants to give you all kind of stuff and all kind of access. But if you won't obey him in the little stuff, if you won't keep your mouth shut, if you won't tell the truth, he can't trust you. He has to keep waiting. He wants to do it now. <laughs> Anybody willing to let him do it now? Let him do it now. But it's not up to him. Do you want to be faithful child of God? And again the biggest thing. Is not even right now. How about time to come? Do you want to stand before the Lord on that day? Do you want to hear? Come on are there some words you want to hear? Help me out. Do you want to hear? Well done. Good and faithful. Servant you've been Faithful over a few things, I'm going to make you ruler over much. Why? Because you qualify. If you'll obey with a little thing, you prove what you'll do. You'll obey with a big thing. He can trust you. When the Lord says, be quiet, is there anybody you can tell? Not a one. Not a one. If you wonder, can I tell my spouse? You ask them, can I tell my spouse? 
If, you, if they say don't tell anybody and you say, okay, I won't tell anybody, then how many people can you tell? Come on, help me out. Not another soul. And you don't have to be mean. You don't have to act like you got the biggest secret in the universe. You just smile and say, I'm sorry. Can't talk about it. Don't make a big deal out of it. Just, I'm sorry. No, I can't talk about it. If you want to talk, talk to them if you want to talk about it. I can't tell. If they want to tell, then they'll tell. But you gave your word. Faithful man or woman does not lie. Period. Not even a little. Not once in a while. You just don't lie. The faithful man or woman conceals the matter. You know, there are spouses, husbands and wives, that, you know, wouldn't think of committing adultery with another, you know, person's spouse because they know that's unfaithful. But they tell their friends about their husband's shortcomings and failings. Men tell their male friends about their wife's, you know, uh, shortcomings and, and mistakes. That is unfaithful. Are y'all with me, friend? That's unfaithful. There's a lot of business that's your business. It should remain your business. And it's also why a lot of married people don't trust each other. They know what's going on. I mean, they had a private conversation. It was serious to them. Maybe bared their soul. Talked about some very private things. And that weekend, this one's, or that one's friends are laughing about them and joking and talking about this. Should have never said it. Should have never disclosed it. Unfaithful. Unfaithful. Somebody say, by the grace of God, I will be faithful. I will be faithful. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Luke 16, please, and 1. Number 3. Luke 16, this better part of this chapter is about faithfulness. So much revelation. And this is directly from the lips of Jesus. What does he call faithfulness? He gives this example. He said there was a certain rich man which had a steward. Now a steward we'd probably today call a manager. And one of the biggest things to know and understand about a manager or a steward is that you're managing someone else's property. It's not yours. Everybody clear on that? A manager is not an owner. And so this man was a manager. And the same was accused to him that he had wasted his goods. And uh, he called him and said, How is it that I hear this of you? Give an account of your stewardship. Some say trusteeship. For you may be no longer steward. Now why? Why is he being let go? Verse 3. Didn't the steward, I won't read all of it, but he gets this idea, I'm getting kicked out. I'm not going to be getting a check anymore. 
I got to set myself up. So he calls in people that owed his master that he's been managing his accounts. And he makes under the table, underhanded deals with them. You owe X amount. Well, let's just cut part of that off. But now remember me. And uh, pay this and we'll call it paid off. And he did this. Is this his money? So why is he getting fired? Why? He's not doing with the master's resources what the master wants done with his resources. He's making decisions and handling it like it's his. He's making decisions like it's his. Skip on down to verse 10. Jesus said, He that is what? Faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. He that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Now this is exactly opposite to how many church going people believe it. What do you mean? People say, well God don't care about money. Money's not important. He only cares about, you know, the spiritual things. The, 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 that's, that's the real thing. Yes, money doesn't compare in value to souls and spiritual things. But you don't start with the big things. You start with some money, which is not a big thing. And if you're not faithful with a few dollars, you don't qualify for big amounts. And you don't qualify for big spiritual assignments or big revelations or big anointings. Because if you don't handle, am I making this up or is that what he said? If you haven't been faithful in what? Mammon talks about money, material things. If you haven't been faithful with money, who will commit to your trust the true riches? So all this talk about, you know, uh, you know, it just makes me mad when people talk about money and and tithing and giving and sowing and all that stuff. God don't care about all that. I, I'm, I'm just focused on the true riches. You don't get to the more important things. If you're not faithful in little things like money. Verse 12. And Jesus said. If you've not been faithful in that which is another man's. Who will give you that which is your own? That's exactly the example he gave. This man was not the owner. He's a manager. He's been trusted by the owner to handle, to dispense, to manage the master's resources according to what? Come on, according to what? According to the owner's, the master's desire and direction. And failing to do that made him unfaithful and disqualified him from continuing to handling the master's resources. Hallelujah. Go with me to 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. 
I'm trying to give this to you just like the Lord gave it to me. Because that would be faithful. <laughs> Is that right? First <laughs> Corinthians 4 verse 1. Let a man account of us as the ministers, that can also be translated servants, of Christ. And what? Stewards. Stewards. That's that same word. Are managers of what? The mysteries of God. Paul is an apostle. He's been given amazing revelation. He realizes it's not my revelation. I didn't give it to myself. I didn't come up with it. I am a steward of it. I handle it. Hallelujah. And what an honor it is to handle the Holy Word of God. What an amazing honor it is to be under the Holy Anointing. Not to be taken lightly. And not to be treated like it's your own. And not to talk about it like you gave it to yourself. What, what do you have that you didn't receive? The scripture says. Stewards of the mysteries of God. Verse 2. And this is number 3 here we're talking about now. Moreover it is required in stewards. What? That a man be found faithful. Faithful. Now faithful means trustworthy. Literally. A faithful person, if you said they're faithful, you said you can trust them. You can trust them. But here's the question. Trust them to do what? Trust them to do what? Have you ever heard people say things like this? I don't know why they won't let me do more. I don't know why they don't turn this over to me. I have worked so hard. I have, uh, I, I have, you know, gone to the ends of my ability. And so in their mind, they are faithful. But they're calling something faithful that's not faithfulness. Y'all with me? They're referring to diligence. I got up. I, I, I got up early. I stayed up late. I, I, I drove all over town. I did everything, you know, that I knew how to do. I did it the very best way I knew how. That's unfaithful. What do you mean? It ain't yours. To do the best way you know how. Somebody got it. Y'all with me or not? And there are some, there are people oh, all over the place. They are mad. They are upset. They're been out of shape. Well, why do they have to micromanage everything? If they just turn this over to me, 
I've been doing this for 40 years. I think I know a thing or two about it. Yeah, but there's a big thing you obviously don't know. And it's how to do exactly what you're asked to do. And you'll find, that's simple, it didn't take long to say it. But you will find that the spirit of disobedience is pervasive through this earth. And just saying the very phrase, do what you're told, makes people mad. Is that right? Does it? Oh, oh. What do you mean, do what I'm told? I'm not a three-year-old. Now let's just stop. Did you hear the tone of that? Can, can you feel the feel of that? That's the spirit of disobedience. That's yielding to the enemy. That's giving him place. The very thing we don't want to do. The reason why so many people think they're faithful is because they have confused diligence with faithfulness. Diligence If you look it up, it means to be energetic. It means to be earnest. It means to be speedy. It means to to, to move fast and and give it your all. But that's not being faithful. Is this important? That's not being faithful. Well, I I tried as hard as I knew how. That's not being faithful. Did you do? Exactly. What you were asked to do. Now if you got a good relationship. And the people do trust you. Because you prove it and demonstrated it. If something comes up that's out of the ordinary. Call them. Ask them. You say hey I got this. What do you think? But you don't just change. What they asked you to do. Or you are unfaithful. One definition of faithful. Is true to the original. True to the original. Listen to uh, the uh, Living Bible of 1 Corinthians 4 2, please. Living Bible. He said, It's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. This is the way the Living Bible translated it. The most important thing about a servant is what? That he does just what? His master tells him to do. This has caused, not understanding this and not being willing to do this, has caused so much pain and problems in the church and in the body of Christ. You cannot be faithful without submitting. Did you hear that, friends? You cannot. And so if you don't like submission, you're not going to be faithful. And Phyllis and I, we've been in the ministry now for, uh, you know, pushing 40 years. Got two great churches and good staff and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of volunteers. And, and there have been too many times that there are people, we like them. We really like them. We love them. And there, there's so many great things about them. But they just won't do what you ask them to do. And they don't see anything wrong with it. You ask them to do something. And they completely change it. And turn it around. And it looks shocked when you go. That's not what I wanted. But in their mind it's go. Yeah but this is better right. 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 
No. Beware of the better idea. <laughs> Anybody awake? Beware of the better idea. Why? Because listen, if you'll do that with people, you'll do that with God. And ain't nobody ever had a better idea. Come on, than the Lord. Ain't nobody. But you can think, well, I'm here on the ground. I'm in the situation. I made a call. Unfaithful. Unfaithful. And so what happens is people refuse to. If they refuse, they get mad. They get hurt. There are all kind of pastors and leaders of local churches. They won't dare tell somebody, no, you didn't do it my way. Because they're afraid they'll leave and they're afraid they'll quit giving. And they're like, and they're just glad to have anybody come and do anything. And so, yeah, it's kind of a mess and I had to clean up after, but that's great. Yeah, come back, come back. <laughs> and it's training them wrong. Because they'll think God's like that. They'll think he's okay with that. And they're disqualifying themselves. Because if you're not faithful in the little thing, you don't qualify for a bigger thing. You're not going to get a bigger thing. And there's people that are mad. And I, I thought I was supposed to have more place with them. And maybe you were. But you wouldn't listen. Always had to change it. Always had to. Can you see this? Is this a big deal or not? This is a gigantic deal. Did you ever play that in school where they had maybe a whole row of kids and, and one whispered something into the ear of uh, one and then they whispered it to the other and 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 they whispered, you know, and maybe it was John eating, is eating rice and beans today. And time it gets down here, John is going to Africa. <laughs> huh? <laughs> and involved in a rice farm. Somebody said, yeah, isn't that funny? No, it ain't funny. What did you just see demonstrated? Unfaithfulness. It ain't funny. Unfaithfulness. Why? They didn't respect the words enough to repeat them exactly as they were told. They felt free to put it in their own words or to say what they thought maybe it meant to improve it a little bit. Somebody say unfaithful. 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 He said in the living here, the most important thing about a steward or about a manager is what? He does what? Just what his master tells him to do. Why? Because a steward is not an owner. Remember Jesus said, if you hadn't been faithful in the little, you wouldn't be faithful with much. If you hadn't been faithful in that which is another man's. Who will give you that which is your own? Now, this next part, 
I didn't necessarily even want to tell you tonight. Somebody said, yeah, the next one, yeah. And this is, this is for our church, Faith Life Church. So I'm, I'm going to do it the best way I know how. But uh, the Lord mentioned something to me, and I believe I need to say it. And I want to be I want to be faithful and say it, you know, what he told me to, and say it just the way that he told me. Matthew 22. Matthew 22 and, and 20. He said to them, Whose is this image and superscription? They say to him, Caesar's. Then said he to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. He's talking about money. Is there money that is Caesar's? That is the U.S. government's. That is the IRS. If you wonder about it, they will help you. <laughs> is that right? Because they are very clear and they're very sure about what's theirs. And they're not, there's no ambiguity about if it's yours or if it's theirs. So not all your money is yours. Some of it's the government's, whether you like it or not. And Jesus said, render to Caesar. What's Caesar's? But also what? To God, the things that are God. Is there some of your money that's God's? Are you sure? Most of the church is not. I'm talking about universal. Most of the church does not tithe. And it's a very big issue because if you're not faithful in the tithe, you don't qualify for more. And I know a lot of people have made mistakes. It's not about making mistakes and looking at the past, but it's about what you do now. Phyllis and I wallowed around and played with tithing and kind of sort of tithed way back years ago. Thought, you know, when we can and, and didn't know if we could afford it or not. And we got, we got in bad shape financially after being in the ministry and just kept getting behind and behind. Now, why would that be? Is God shorting us? Is God holding? Who's stealing? How's he getting to us? Malachi 3. Verse 6. Malachi 3 verse 6. He said I am the Lord. And I've changed a whole lot. (laughs) Since Old Testament days. (laughs) I changed not. Therefore you sons of Jacob are not consumed. How many like the idea of not being consumed? Even from the days of your fathers. He said you have gone away from my ordinances. And have not kept them. Return to me. One translation says, give back to me. And I'll give back to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, what? What shall we give back? Verse 8. Will a man rob God? Now you'll see we've come full circle. Monday night, Jesus told us about the thief. Is that right? Why do we despise him? Because he robs because he steals. What if you're robbing? You're yielding to the enemy. You're not submitting to God. 
He doesn't have to yield to you. Come on, can you see this? If you're doing the thing you say you detest and hate, will a man what? Rob God. He said, yet you have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed you? He said, in tithes and offerings. Now the only way God could say you've robbed me is if it was his. Oh, come on, are y'all with me or not? And that's the thing Phyllis and I had to get settled on. Tithe means tenth, the ten percent, the tenth part. Is it his? And I mean, you've got most of the church world that's just don't even want to talk about it or, or say, that's Old Testament and that's passed away. And so they're saying, no, it's not his. And then you've got a lot of people say, well, it's all his. Everything I have is his. And that sounds so spiritual, they think. It's a bunch of junk. Jesus already told you part of it's Caesar's. Is that right? If it's all God's, what are you spending it for? And if it's all God's, you can't even give an offering. Because none of it's yours. The Bible doesn't teach that it's all his. He said the tenth is mine. The tenth is mine. We won't take the time, but Scripture after Scripture says, he said, the tenth part is mine. People say, well, that, Brother Keith, that's under the law. You're wrong. Abraham tithed when there was no law. There was no law. There was no commandment. There was nothing telling him to tithe. Just like he learned how to walk by faith before there was a law, before there was the cross, by God himself, he, God taught him to tithe. And he taught his boy to tithe. This is not law. And we see tithing talked about in the New Testament Hebrew. Where it says here men that die receive tithes. But there he receives them. Moving his witness that he lives. Do we have a great high priest. Who's passed into the heavens. Jesus the son of God. And if you still don't like any of that. How about. <laughs> I'm just trying to help you. Are you okay or not? <laughs> Matthew 23:23. Matthew 23:23. Do you have any respect for Jesus? He said to the scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites, "You pay tithes of mint and anise and cumin and omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith." Of course, tithing's passed away, and I don't care about it. These ought ye to have done. Ought have done what? Tithe. And not to leave the other undone. Uh, listen to the Living Bible. The Living Bible says, yes, you should tithe. Jesus said you should tithe. A lot of folks don't like it. It's not about mechanically subtracting 10% and just giving it to the same people 100%. Nothing in the new covenant is to be by rote. It's to be by the leading of the Spirit. And it's supposed to be in faith. 
But you should take the 10% off the top of everything that comes into you. Take it right off the top and put it in a separate place. Apart from your stuff. And say, that's not mine. That's not mine. And then you put it where he shows you to put it. In his churches, in his ministries. And under the law, the tithe was used for uh, widows. It was used for orphans. It was used for homeless. As well as the priests and the Levites. And all the house of God. He said, bring it all in. Bring all the tithe in to my house. So there will be meat and provision. Can you see this? Well, the thing is, the Lord said this to me. He said, you've got people in your church that have been with you for three years, five years, ten years, fifteen years, and they've heard everything you preach, and they don't tithe. They don't tithe. And they keep asking me, I want more. I want to handle more. Uh, You know, and they're trying to confess, I'm going to have big things happen, and big things come. You haven't done what he told you to do with the tenth. Come on, can you see this? So you don't qualify. I'm not saying put it all in this church. It's not about tithing to a church. It's tithing to your high priest, to the Lord Jesus. And I asked him about that. Why? Because oh, there, man, there are all kind of uproars about where is the tithe supposed to go? You know, who gets the tithe? Who gets the tithe? I asked him. He took me to Leviticus. He said the tithe belongs to me. Suits me. Is that right? The tithe. Well, see, we're back to this. What is a steward? A manager of what? Someone else's. Is part of your money not yours? See, most people have not. They've not acknowledged that. They won't. I work hard for my money. It's all my money. And well, then you don't qualify. And if you haven't been faithful with mammon, money. Who's going to trust to your care, your true riches? And if you hadn't been faithful in that which is another's, who's going to give you that which is your own? Boy, the Lord has blessed Phyllis and I so much. Like I said, I just lay awake last night and just thank God, thank God, thank God. We had the privilege of helping Brother Kenneth Hagin Sr. and Miss Aretha for over 20 years. And uh, I'm not claiming we did it all perfectly. But the Lord kept teaching us things that I'm talking to you about right now. He kept bringing it up to us. Showing us things. Why? It's their ministry. You do it their way. It's not yours. It's there. They're the heads. It's theirs. You do it their way. And and the Lord, I mean, he was real strong with us. Because it's a privilege to serve people like this. Do you believe that or not? To be in their proximity and in their circle. Wow. The thing, well, Phyllis was talking about that the other night. The thing she learned just watching Mom Hagen make decisions in life, going through life and learn, you know, being led. A lot of things that didn't sound spiritual to other people, but you see people walking the Word and living it in real situations. Man, you learn things you don't even know you're learning. And uh, the Lord dealt with us before we, we saw we we're going to be doing it quite a bit. We got in the floor in the kitchen in our little house. I said, uh, I said, Phil, this is a privilege. He's a prophet. And he'll know. If me and you's fussing, <laughs> if we've got stress on us or anything like that, we must not be a burden to them. 
We must not come carrying in stuff that's distracting to them. We're not here to uh, judge. We're here to learn. And we're here to serve. And anything that would come up that we think, well, I might not do it that way. Well, it ain't yours. Right? And if the Lord ever gives you your own, well, you can do it the way you think the Lord told you to do it. But if you're not faithful with theirs, you're not getting your own. Can you see this or not? It was so clear one day, uh, Phyllis was helping Brother Hagin in the kitchen. You've heard me tell this, but it'll bear repetition. What am I going to tell about? It was actually a pineapple. Huh? On that occasion, it was a pineapple? Help me, Lord. That's unfaithful, ain't it? I repent. Was there another occasion with a tomato? I don't remember. I thought it was. Maybe it was both. Okay. Because Phyllis was doing it. Anyway, she's in the kitchen helping him cut, in this case, a pineapple. And so she went to cut that pineapple up. And what did he say? He told me I was cutting away too much of it. Cutting too much of it. I was wasting it. And wasting the pineapple. And he was showing me how to do it again. And so basically, stand back, he showed you how to do it. Yes. He right. corrected me three times. And Phyllis grew up with, uh, corrected you three times. <laughs> and uh, she grew up, you know, cooking and right. with other cooks. And I mean, she knows a thing or two about handling a knife and, and in the kitchen. But that is completely irrelative. Right. Why? Because right. it ain't her pineapple. Is that right? <laughs> Are y'all with me or not? Or tomato either. Or tomato either one. We're going to have to talk about these stories some more. I knew. Anyway, to be discussed later, we'll find out. But on this occasion, the pineapple, how should you cut Brother Hagen's pineapple? Come on, help me out. Come Exactly. Exactly. No, I don't care if you worked in a pineapple plant. If you worked in a pineapple plant for 30 years and you wrote three books on how to handle pineapples, what does that have to do with anything? Nothing. Because it's not your pineapple. What is faithfulness? Three big things we saw in the scriptures tonight. A faithful person doesn't lie. A faithful person doesn't divulge and break confidence. Can you see that? Knows when to be quiet. A faithful person is true to the original. A faithful person acknowledges it's not mine to do with as I want. I'm to do it the way I'm instructed. And if you'll be exacting and faithful to the original with whoever you're helping and serving, the Lord sees that. What does he know? I can give them more. They listen to me with that. And you do exactly what he tells you to do with his money. The tithe. Come on, are you with me or not? You do exactly what he tells you to do with his money. What does he know? I can put more in their hands. I, in fact, this is where it says a uh, steward must be found faithful. Several translations use the word dispenser. Dispenser. 
God wants dispensers. He wants people that won't damn it up. He wants people that will let him flow in five million dollars into their bank account and it all be distributed by the end of the week. If that's what he said. Is that right? Will most people do that? No, they won't. They won't obey him with the tithe. Can you see that? They won't obey him with five dollars. But a faithful man. Oh, are you ready to shout about a faithful man? A faithful woman will abound. That means overflow with blessings. And that's why you'll see people who have begun to be faithful and follow. They obeyed him with five dollars. They obeyed him with a ten. They obeyed him with a hundred. Next thing you know, they're handling ten thousand. It don't happen all overnight, but they obeyed him with twenty-five thousand. Came into their hands. They thought, I ain't never seen that much money. He said, I want you to sow that tomorrow right here. And they did it. They did exactly what he said. Next thing you know, they're handling a hundred thousand. Can you see this or not? That's how it works. God gives you a, a revelation. It may seem so trivial to somebody else, but he says, act on this, share this with this person. And you do it as accurately as you know how. Next thing you know, you're seeing things other people hadn't seen. In the word of God. Can you see this? If we're faithful in what seems small to other people, it's not small to God. It's big to him. Then he will give you that which is your own. After serving with the Hagans for those 20 years or so, I remember it distinctly. We had the privilege of coming back from a meeting with actually the Copelands and their Bravo their airplane, we were riding in the back with uh, Miss Gloria and Miss Billy Brim. Phyllis and I happened to be back there with them. And she, Miss Billy, was excited about a scripture about how that the Lord said he would give his people a place of their own where they would not be harassed and where they'd be secure and safe. And the Spirit of God spoke to Phyllis and I as we sat back there. And this has been 20 years now that we've been to Hagen's. He said, uh, You've been faithful with them. I'm about to give you your own. My, my, my. We, we had a little rented something with hardly anything going on. And in just a few months, he started giving us this. And he started giving us that. And then he gave us the church in Branson. And then he gave us the other. And he gave us the, gave us the word supply. Somebody say glory to God. Another church in Florida gave us, can, can you see what's going on? Gave us faith school. But at any time, we stop listening to him and start having ideas of our own. And better ideas, it'll stop. And you can't just turn it over to somebody else and let them do it ever how they think best. Can you see this? Stand on your feet, everybody. I, I've gone long enough. Praise be to God. Glory be to the Father. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, when we started this church, and I'm going to finish stepping on the toes. <laughs> everywhere we go, every church we go to, we've heard year after year after year, we are co-pastors. Hmm. <laughs> Something Brother Hagen said to us, if he said it once, he said it, I don't know how many times. Anything with two heads is a freak. (laughs) 
He said, y'all probably heard him say it yourself, Brother Kenneth has. Anything with two heads is a freak. There's a structure to things. And I think there's, I was sitting there and I was thinking as he's talking about this, there's a lot of people in their churches that are hurting financially. There's a lot of churches that have closed their doors. There's a lot of churches and ministries that are hurting financially. And I love my husband dearly and he loves me dearly. But if there's something that's not God, he will look me square in the eye and he will say, No, Phyllis, we are not doing that. I have not heard from the Lord on that. It doesn't matter how good it is or how bad I want to do it. It doesn't matter how many alligator tears I cry. It doesn't matter how I mope or I pout. It doesn't matter that I'm his wife. Do you understand that? It's not a matter of me or him loving me. It's a matter of just what he's been telling us about us doing what God said for us to do. Yep. And if we're going to expect our people not to be rebellious, we as leaders must not be rebellious to God. If God didn't tell you to put your child as the song leader, don't put your child as the song leader. If God didn't tell you to put your child as the associate, don't put your child as the associate. I know I'm stepping on toes. If God didn't tell you to put your child as the head, don't put your child as the head. You've got to do what God said do. Yes, 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 yes. It's not a matter of doing it our way. Keith says it all the time. I don't do it my way. I'm not going to do it your way, Phil. (laughs) Brother Hagen looked at me one night and he said, Phyllis, you're not the Holy Ghost. (laughs) Because I was wanting Keith to sing a certain song that night in the meeting. I kept saying, Keith, sing this song. Sing this song. I like this song. He looked at Brother Hagen, turned around. No, you you leaned up from the back seat and you said, this is the Holy Ghost. Sing this. Yeah, I did do that. (laughs) (laughs) And so in the service. In the service. (laughs) Brother Hagen comes up to me and he says, and Phyllis, you're not the Holy Ghost. You're not Ghost. the Holy Ghost. <laughs> In front of everybody. <laughs> and he said, and your wife is not either. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's, That's right. what he said. And your kids are not. Right. No matter how much you love them. Yep. If you didn't hear from God to implement a plan in your church or your ministry. Yes, yes. If you didn't hear from God to start that project or to start that thing. I'll come to Keith and I'll say, sweetheart, I really like this idea. Can we do this? Can we do this? You know, there's a lot of people doing this. Can we? No. And I know there's no reason to talk to him about it anymore. He's not being mean to me. He loves me. But you know what? 
We don't have the problems a lot of other people have. Thank you. One day somebody came to Dave and asked him, what do y'all do in this situation? And he looked at him and said, we would never have that situation. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't know what else to answer him. He said, we would just never have that situation. Because we don't allow things just to happen. The first week we had people up here trying to sing and do stuff. They were asking him, can we do this? Can we do that? And he just kept saying, no, no, no. We lost every single one of them. They all quit. They all quit that day. Yeah. Right. Why? Because the Lord didn't tell us to do it that way. And you've got to be caring more about what the Lord thinks in yeah. your church than what yeah. that person thinks or what your child yeah. thinks or what your wife yeah. thinks or what your husband yeah. thinks or what your neighbor thinks. Yeah. You've got to care more about what God thinks yeah. than your church will grow then your finances will grow. Praise God. Your ministry will grow. That's what's holding up our finances. That's what he's talking about, the money. That's the thing. We can't expect, I can't expect Dave not to be rebellious if I'm rebellious not doing what Keith says. And Keith can't expect me not to be rebellious if he's not doing what God says. Exactly right. And that's the way it works. Exactly right. That's right. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Saints and leaders especially, we don't need a reason not to do something. We need a leading to do something. That's a very different way of living. Can you see that? I don't need a reason not to do something. I need a leading in order to do it. Then I won't have to beg God's blessing on something that was his idea. Come on, can you see this? Glory to God. Lift your hands, everybody. Oh, praise God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.